Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Um, Worshiping Jesus with our generosity. Uh, not just um, being generous to our family and our friends and our coworkers, but uh, worshiping Jesus with our our generosity. And man, it is officially now Christmas time. I mean, as we're celebrating the birth of our Savior this December, it is, I mean, everywhere that you go, it is clearly Christmas time. There's Christmas trees up. There's lights everywhere. There's Christmas music playing. There's Santa's. Everywhere that you look, all kinds of Santas. Um, the Christmas movies are playing. Uh, we're seeing them in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in grocery stores. We're seeing all this stuff about Christmas. Even in some of the schools, they're actually um, some of them are actually acknowledging Christmas in in very some unique ways. But in restaurants and really everywhere that we go this time of year, um, it's Christmas. Christmas takes over everything. And today, when we're looking um, at the next several verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, continuing off of last week, uh, I want to challenge us to look at this in terms of our generosity. Is our generosity confined to a church building or to a homeless shelter or to an opportunity or an event? Or is our generosity taking over everything? Is our generosity everywhere like Christmas is everywhere? Or is our generosity confined to these moments or these places? Last week, we read the first six verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Just, I'm going to read them really quickly. Um, it says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, hey, I want to tell you about what these other churches have been doing For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So they're going through really tough times. They don't have anything, and yet they are amazingly generous. They overflow in a wealth of generosity. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So they, they gave as they could, but they also gave sacrificial gifts, not because they were forced to, but because they chose to. And then they begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. These people not only were giving, they were not only giving sacrificially, but they were begging to give. And Paul is trying to um, inspire, encourage, maybe even challenge the people in Corinth uh, with what the people in the churches of Macedonia had done. And then in verse 5, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And this is the key not only to generosity, but the key to everything is to first give yourself to God and then by the will of God to the people that God has put in your life for you to be connected with, for you to be submitted to, and even the people for you to lead. And then this is what we concluded on uh, last week. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he has started, so he could complete you among you this act of grace. And so essentially, Titus is going to collect this offering. We're going to pick up here today in verse 7. It says, but as you excel in everything... And then Paul's going to um, acknowledge some things that these people in Corinth, that they excel in. They excel in faith. 
So, so this is great. This is good, right? To be a good Christian, you should excel in faith. And Paul's acknowledging, like, you guys, man, you, you do really well with your faith. You believe well. You have, you have good faith or great faith. You excel in faith. You excel in speech, in your words, the way that you talk, how you talk, maybe even when you talk. You're not speaking um, negatively. You're not, you're not cursing. You're not uh, speaking doubt. Whatever those things are, he's saying you excel not only in your faith, but you also excel in your speech. The third thing, you excel in knowledge. You know, God wants us to excel in knowledge. He wants us to be growing and developing in knowledge. But he makes it very clear that it's not about worldly knowledge. It's about spiritual knowledge. And as God leads you, he'll lead you into some worldly knowledge, but we never trust or rely on that. And so here Paul is encouraging these people saying, you excel even in your knowledge and in all earnestness or diligence. Man, you know, um, it would be good if more Christians excelled in diligence. I'll just say that. And leave that. I'm just going to drop that right there. And in our love for you. And in our love for you. So you're excelling in all of these things. You're doing well in all of these things. Maybe even you're being generous in all these things. Man, this is, this is like a picture of what many of us would consider to be a good Christian. Like, man, you're being a good Christian. This reminded me of, of Mark chapter 10. Um, Jesus tells this story of this guy who comes to him and he kneels before him as Jesus is about to go on this journey. And he says, he says hey, Jesus, what do I have to do uh, to get eternal life? And he calls him a good teacher. And Jesus responds and says, well, wait, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's, that's God. And there, there's a lot in that because it's not only God that's good, but God get, gets to determine what's good. Sometimes as Christians, we try to determine what's good, and we don't check with God, and he's the only one that's good and determines what's good. Because if you've lived long enough, you know there's some things that are good today that weren't good 20 years ago, and there's some things today that, that we say aren't good that will be good 20 years from now. We don't get to determine what's good. God does. And so Jesus says, well, wait, why do you call me good? God is the only one who's good. And, and, he, and Jesus says, you know the commandments. Now, clearly there was some other relationship here where Jesus or some other way that Jesus would have known that this guy would have known the commandments. And Jesus says, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, um, don't defraud, and honor your father and mother. And this guy's like, okay, cool, good, because I got that. And he's like, teacher, I have kept all of that from my youth. He's like, not only do I know that, I've been doing that. I, if I'm this guy, I'm thinking like, man, I am in a good spot right here. Because all the things that he said, not only do I know, but I'm doing them. So clearly, like, I'm getting eternal life. I, I want to know how to get eternal life. I probably should have already known that, but I asked Jesus anyway, and now he's telling me things that I already know and things that I already do. Man, this is good. This is really good. And then in verse 21 of, of Mark chapter 10, Jesus looks at him, it says, and loved him. Jesus looks at him. And loved him. And then Jesus said to him, but there's one thing that you lack. There's one thing that you lack. First of all, I would love for Jesus to look at me and love me and say, Evan, there's only one thing that you lack. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got more than one. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive. I got, I got more than one. Like, this guy's doing good. Jesus looks at him. Jesus sees him. Jesus loves him. And Jesus says, you only have one thing that you lack. And this one thing, Jesus says, is for you to go 
and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Man, man, this is kind of a side note. Um, but, you know, we all need people in our lives that will look at us, that will see us, I mean really see us, not just see who we want people to see, not just see the, the amen, the praise of the Lord, the hallelujahs, but like see us and know us and love us and love us enough to tell us the hard truths, to tell us the one things, to not just look at us and say, oh man, you're doing great, everything's great, even though I know that's one thing that is not right with God. Like, like this thing that Jesus is telling this guy, he looks at him, he loves him, and what he's telling him is hard. It would be hard for any of us. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then come back and follow me. Man, that's hard. I, I pray that we all have someone in our lives that will see us, that will love us enough to tell us the hard things. Now, part of that is you, you have to allow someone in your life to do that. I, I know many Christians who they, they say they want that, but they, they are, they're not willing to be open enough to allow people to see you. They get mad every time that somebody tells them the hard truth. And I don't mean just mad like we would all be mad, but like forget you, I'm never talking to you again. And it's like, well, I don't have anybody like that. Well, it's because you're not allowing anybody to be that. But if you're at that place right now where there is nobody who really sees you and loves you enough to tell you that one thing, the good news is Jesus is and Jesus will. Jesus sees you, he loves you, and trust me, he will tell you that one thing. He tells him this one thing, he says, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And here in this moment, this, this man, if, if, you've, if you've heard this story or heard this story talked about it, we talk about it as the rich young ruler, this rich young ruler, he has a decision to make in this moment. He's worshiped Jesus with his integrity, with his honesty, with his faithfulness, with his diligence, with his honoring his father and his mother. Like, like he's worshiped Jesus in a lot of ways. And now he has the opportunity and he has the challenge of worshiping Jesus with his generosity. He's faced with the challenge of will I worship Jesus not just with my words or even with my actions, but will I worship Jesus with my money? Am I willing to worship him in this way? This was a man that was doing good. He was a good Christian. And here he's faced with this dilemma, this choice that he has to make. What will he do? Many of you all know the story. The Bible tells us that, that he is sorrowful and he walks away for he had great possessions. He's sorrowful. Now listen, let's be honest. If Jesus told any of us to sell everything that we have and give it to the poor, there would be some negative emotions with that. I got it. You may be like, I will do it. I've seen God come through. I believe him. I have faith. I've seen him provide over and over and over. That's awesome. But there's still going to be some natural emotions that we would all face and experience. 
Here, all we're told is this, this rich young ruler, he's sorrowful and he walks away. Now, he might have walked away to go sell everything he had and <laughs> come back and follow Jesus. Like Jesus told him to go. Him walking away wasn't a sin. He, he, he was supposed to walk away and go gather everything that he had, sell it, and give it to the poor. Like maybe that's what he did. But even if he did that, he walked away sorrowful. And we talked about this last week, but if you continue on in the next chapter of 2 Corinthians, in chapter 9, Paul tells us that we shouldn't give out of obligation or compulsion. Like, we should be cheerful givers. So if this rich young ruler walked away sorrowful to go sell everything that he had and give it to the poor and come back and follow Jesus, then he, 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 he did good by obeying Jesus, but he, he missed it. He missed the point. And if Jesus were to tell us to do that, we would have the negative emotions. But here, here's what we would need to do as Christians. We talked about this last week. We would need to fight those emotions with our faith. We would need to decide in our heart that we are not only going to be generous and obey God, but we are going to do it joyfully and cheerfully. As we read in 2 Corinthians 8, we even in a severe test of affliction or, or extreme poverty, we are going to choose to have abundance of joy. So you may have that negative, whoa, that's a lot. I don't know, Jesus, that makes me nervous. That makes me scared. I don't like that. I don't feel that. I don't you're going to have to tell me that twice. But at some point, at some point, we have to decide that we are going to operate in faith with joy in this area because otherwise we're disqualifying the benefits, at least some of the benefits of what God wants to do through this. So he walks away sorrowful now most of the time and, and most people, um, and I believe rightfully so, believe that this rich young ruler walked away sorrowful not to go sell his possessions and come back and follow Jesus, but to walk away and say, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's too much. You know, went too far. And there's many reasons for that. Part of how Jesus continues that story um, because he then talks about entering into heaven and, and, and if this guy would have walked away to go sell what he had and come back to follow Jesus, then I don't think Jesus would have been talking about heaven in the way that he does in that story. We never hear about this rich young ruler again. All the people that are much smarter than me and have been studying all this much longer, they, they nearly all agree that this rich young ruler walked away saying, I'm not doing that. And didn't do it. And at that point, it becomes great. You're worshiping Jesus by honoring your father and your mother. You're worshiping Jesus by not lying, by not stealing, by not committing adultery. You're, you're controlling your flesh and your lust. But you're not willing to worship him with your generosity, with your finances. And here's what I know about God. And you see it throughout the scriptures and if you follow him long enough, here, here's, I know this, I know this. God knows what's in your heart. He knows what has your heart. And whatever it is that you're trusting in more than him, whatever it is that you're valuing more than him, whatever it is that you're not willing to give to him, maybe not the day that you get saved, Maybe not the week, maybe not the month, maybe not the year. At some point, it will be asked of you. 
Jesus wasn't telling this rich young ruler to go sell everything that he had as an example for all of us as Christians. Like, hey, if you really want to make it to heaven, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Like, that's not, it's not like confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and then go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Like, that's not, that's not how this works. But we all need to be willing to give everything that we have to be generous with everything that we have. We can't just have Christmas in our homes because Christmas is overtaking everything. Like everywhere we go, it's Christmas. We can't just decide, I'll honor you with my time by coming to church, not by serving, not by being on a team, like that's too much, not by leading a faith group, like God, you're going too far, but I'll honor you by, by coming to church. I'll worship you, Jesus, in that way. But this money, they're like, this is mine. Like, I earned this. Do you know how hard I work for this? God, do you know that I may not get any more? Do you know that nobody in my family has ever had money? Do you know, like, God, do you know these things? Like, I'm doing good. Why, why would I give it away? I can't give it away. And some of us will justify. Some of us will reason. Some of us will flat walk away Sorrowful because we know that we're disobeying God. We may not know it in our head, but we know it in our heart that we're disobeying God. Jesus, in this story, um, <laughs> this is, it's so amazing. He, he looks around to his disciples and he says, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven? And this is, he goes on to, to say um, something that, that many people use uh, to to create this gospel that Jesus wants us poor. And he talks about the camel not being able to go through the eye of the needle and the not rich person not being able to get into heaven. Um, and, but, but many people, they stop right there after Jesus says that. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Then his disciples said, or the Bible tells us in verse 26, that his disciples, they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Like, like, think about that. If this were a bunch of poor people and Jesus was like, no rich people are getting into heaven, they'd be like, yes. Yes. I'm in. I'm good. Right? But they're like, Jesus, then who can be saved? Like, Jesus, Jesus, um, uh, I don't know if you know this, Jesus, um, but you're not poor. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not, we follow you. We always have more than enough, like, who's going to be saved? Like, if we're not saved, who's saved? They're exceedingly astonished by this. And Jesus looks at them, and this is the part that most people miss when they talk about this, is Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible to God. So Jesus is saying it's difficult for a rich man who trusts in his riches to enter into heaven. And they're like, well, then we're, we are messed up. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, but with God, all things are possible. This, Peter then reminds Jesus that they'd left everything, and Jesus responds with, if you left anything for him, you'll see, receive 100 times better than what you left in this time and in eternity. And so we have to, we have to ask ourselves, what are we not willing to, to give to Jesus in worship. Like, maybe it's money, maybe it's time, maybe it's our talents, 
Maybe it's um, our family. Maybe it's our intellect. Maybe it's our past. But like, what are you not willing to give Jesus in worship? Because whatever that is, it will be asked of you. See, if you are amazingly generous with your money, like in your heart, you are generous with your money. The most generous person I've ever met is my dad. I mean, my dad will, he, 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 I've seen him many times take his entire paycheck and give it away. I mean, not even think twice about it. Have a smile on his face and act like he didn't do anything. Well, sometimes he gave it away to me, which was cool. <laughs> this was great. But, but, I mean, by far the most generous person I've ever been around in my entire life. You know, if that's you, God probably won't even have to ask you to give away everything. God, for those people, God probably doesn't really have to ask you to give more than your 10% return back to him and, and, and whatever you decide in your heart. There'll be times and seasons where he leads you, but, but that's not it. You, you know, uh, um, for somebody like that, maybe you, maybe you struggle with letting go of the past. And there will be a time where God will challenge you not to give away everything you have and sell it to the poor, but he will challenge you to give away all of your hurts, all of your pains, all of your preconceptions, everything that you're holding on to in your past. And he will challenge you not to give some of it away, not to get relief by coming to church or praying or reading your Bible, but to lay it all down at his feet. Whatever you are not willing to give him in worship, there will be a time where he will ask you for it. And you will have the opportunity to decide what you're going to do with it. When we finish this verse, it says, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So here, you've, you've been excelling in all these things. You've been doing good. You've been a good Christian. You're doing good. And, and, and Paul here is saying, but make sure that you excel in this act of grace also. We talked about this last week. What is this act of grace? This act of grace is generosity. This act of grace is giving of your finances. So generosity absolutely, positively is not all about money. It's not. We, we see that throughout Scripture. It's not all about money. But it is absolutely also about money. It includes money. You, you can't say, hey, we're going to have Christmas everywhere except for at home. <laughs> like, then you walk around and like, that's cool. That's cool that my neighbors have 42 Christmas trees and all these Christmas lights and they're on the great light show, whatever that show, that Christmas light show. We watched that last night. That was awesome. And you go, and there's like all that, and you in, in, in church we're going to celebrate the birth of our Savior, and you're like, no, 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 but not, not, not in my house. I'm not going to celebrate Jesus. Like, that's cool. I mean, that, you could decide that if you celebrate Jesus every day. That's awesome. But, like, you're missing out on, like, Christmas. And sometimes with generosity, we're like, okay, I'll be generous with all these other things, but I'm not going to be generous with this one thing that I hold more valuable than my love and faith in Jesus. And that, that's not we wouldn't say it that way, but that's what we mean. And we say, so I'll be generous in all these other ways, but this one thing, I'm not, I'm not going to be generous. And I can guarantee you this, it will be asked of you. It will be asked of you. Generosity is not all about money, but it does include money. Paul then goes on in verse 8 and says, I say this not as a command. So, so let me be very clear about this. God is not going to command or force you to be generous. He's not going to do it. 
And Paul doesn't do it. And he's reiterating this. He's already told us this in these verses. But here he's saying this again. I say this not as a command. Generosity is not about obeying a command. But generosity proves the authenticity of your love. And he says it here. But to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Generosity is about your love. It's about your faith. And I mean what you really love. Because you give where you love. I mean, that's just true. If you're dating someone, you're going to give. Now, this new kind of dating, I don't, I don't know about all that. Like, y'all might split the bill, but it, it, still, you're going to give some kind of way. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> but, 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 but if you're married, you, there, there should be some generosity towards your spouse. You, if you have kids, whether you want to or not, whether you walk away sorrowful because of it or you do it joyfully, like you're, you're going to give to your kids. Like they got to eat. It is amazing. My kids think it's my responsibility to feed them. I don't know. They, 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 and, and like uh, they, they just think my money is their money. They, they have no idea. But if you, you love, you give in that area. You know, people who love their schools, man, these alumni, especially these who make a lot of money, they, they, they will actually give massive amounts of money back to an institution, a school, because you give where you love. If you want to find out what you truly love, many times you can just simply follow the money. The zeros may be different, the decimals may be different, but you give where you love. And man, what I love about Faith for Life is we already do this. We already are this. We had a, we had a faith group leader who had um, someone in their faith group, and this person needed four new tires on their car. But they couldn't afford to buy four new tires at this time, and, but they really needed these four new tires. And so um, this person in this faith group shares with the faith group, like, hey, um, if you guys could pray for me, like I need four new tires, um, and, and they prayed, and then, like, the faith group leader follows up with them, and this person was going to finance the four tires because they needed the four tires, but they, they couldn't, they didn't have the money to get the four tires. And so our faith group leader says, you know what, I am going to be generous where I love. I love God, I love people, I love this person, and instead of you financing these four tires, I'm going to bless you with these four tires. Like, this is who we are. This is what we do. We, we had an E-teamer who, um, who uh, got to know this 86-year-old senior citizen. And this 86-year-old senior citizen, um, they were talking, and this, this 86-year-old senior citizen was like, man, I've always wanted to go on a cruise. A cruise has always been on my bucket list. And, and the, our, our E-teamer's like, well, why, why haven't you been on a cruise? Like, I'm sure you're thinking, like, you're 86. Like, you had plenty of time. <laughs> cruise has been around a long time, and... So have you. <laughs> I mean, they didn't say this. This wasn't in what they told me about this. This is kind of maybe my thought. But anyways, and, um, and, and so this senior citizen was like, man, I, I always wanted to go, but I, I just, I've never had the money to go. I've never been able to financially go. And man, our E-teamer, you know, being led by God, they just, they, they, they were like, well, that's an easy fix. And so in 2020, this 86-year-old senior citizen is going on their first cruise and being able to check that off of their bucket list. Because that's who we are. This is, this is what we do. We are people who overflow in a wealth of generosity, and we give where we love, and we love where we give. Generosity here was an opportunity for these people to prove their love for Jesus. 
And to prove something goes beyond saying, yeah, I'm going to decide to do that or I want to do that. Proving something goes beyond good intentions. Ladies, if your husband just decides he's going to do something that you want him to do and, 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 and has good intentions about doing it but never actually does it, how many points does he get? Fellas, we know the answer to that. We ain't even got to ask, right? It goes like, at some point it goes like negative. And it's like worse off than if we would have just said, I'm not doing it. Like it would have been better just to say, I'm not doing it. And I wonder how many times God is like, man, it would have just been better if you would have quit lying to yourself and just said, you're not doing that. <laughs> but this generosity is not about saying you're going to do it or deciding you're going to do it. But it comes down to what are you actually going to do, to prove something comes down to the action of it. We're generous because we love Jesus. We prove our love in part by our generosity. We worship Jesus through our generosity. Does your generosity reflect your love for Jesus? Does your love for Jesus, is it being reflected in your generosity? Do you love Jesus occasionally? Do you worship him occasionally? Are you willing to worship him and love him at 10% or at 15%? Are you willing to worship him and love him intentionally and consistently or just whenever there's some fuzzy feeling on the inside, whenever the, neck, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up? I, I, I got I to finish this. Paul, Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we could go into a lot of theology and we could get really deep into this, but, but really high level, if you look at the context of what Paul is saying in this chapter, he's talking about the grace, the same grace he talked about in verse 1, the grace to give, this grace of generosity. And he's saying here, you know that Jesus was generous. You know it. You know that he had that grace to be generous. Not because there was some spiritual, supernatural thing, but because he chose to be generous. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Now, I got to go through this quickly. Um, you can go on the YouTube, uh, you, not YouTube, version Bible app and download the notes to get more about this. But, but. <clears throat> Many people take this and they say, okay, Jesus was rich in heaven. When he came down to earth, he became poor. Well, that's just, that's just biblically not true. Like, let's think about this. There are wise men. There are magis. There, these people are rich. There's not three of them. There's more than three of them. There's a lot of these guys. And they are going to bring gifts that are valuable to a king. Now, you don't bring a gift to a king that's not valuable. You bring your best to a king. So when rich people bring their best, there's, a little, there's more zeros on the end of that than if a poor people, or if poor people bring their best. And that's, not, it's just, that's just reality. They're not only bringing gifts to a king, they're bringing gifts to the one that they think is the king of the kings. So, so they're not just giving as they can. They're not just giving their best. They're likely giving a sacrificial gift. And a sacrificial gift from a whole bunch of rich people, the people who've studied this out, it is clear that the, um, the, the value of that gold and frankincense and myrrh that was given to Jesus would have sustained him and his family for his entire earthly life. 
Not to mention this, he had a treasurer. Like, how many poor people you know have treasurers? (laughs) And not only did he have a treasurer, but he used this treasurer to give so often, to be so generous that when Jesus told Judas to go because he was going to betray him, the other disciples didn't think anything of it. You know what they thought? They thought he was going to be generous with the money that he had. If you're poor, none of that makes sense. You say, Jesus didn't have a house. Yes, he did have a house. And he brought everybody to his house. And there was a lot of people that fit in his house. So it couldn't have been as small as some of our houses. Jesus wasn't poor on this earth. He was poor when he went on the cross and he took on our sin, when he took on our sickness, when he took on our disease, when he took on our poverty, when he took on our lack. That's when he became poor. And, 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 and not only that, but here when we read this, that he became poor so that you, me, us, by his poverty, by his sacrifice on that cross, by the moment that spiritually he takes on all of this that we have encountered and we deserve, at that moment that he becomes poor in that way, that us by his poverty might become rich, not just financially, but in every way. That when Jesus was poor on the cross, he was paying a price, not just for our salvation, not just for our eternal life, but for our abundant life. And not just so that we could put our hand to things and see them prosper, but so that we could be generous with everything and we could be whole in every way. And in 2 Corinthians 9, the next chapter over, hopefully we'll get to this more next week, Paul tells us the reasons for this. He tells us that God wants us to be generous. He wants us to have more than enough. And he tells us if we will be generous with what we have, then God will have the ability to bring us more. And God wants us to have more so that we can be more generous, so that we can put more zeros and move decimal points on how we're generous and when we're generous. And he wants us to do that for the reason of producing thanksgiving to God. That instead of paying for the person behind you at HEB, you pay for the whole row. Instead of buying four tires, you you say, hey, anybody who buys tires for the next 24 hours, it's on me. You go out and you you, you go to the car shops, the mechanics, and like, hey, the next 10 ladies who come in here, or guys, I guess, that need an oil change, I got them. It's on me. I'll come back tomorrow and pay for it. Don't charge them anything. Tell them Jesus loves them. Like, what it, like, like, he wants us to be whole. He wants us to be prosperous so that we can give more, so that more thanksgiving can be given to God. It's not spiritual to be broke. <laughs> it's not spiritual to be sick. It's not wise to be stingy. It surely isn't stingy or spiritual to be stingy. This rich young ruler, he was willing to give God everything except a sacrificial financial gift. Money was the thing that had a hold of his heart, that was in his heart, that was filling his heart. And because of that, he wasn't willing to worship Jesus through his generosity. The question for us today is, are we willing to worship Jesus everywhere? Are we willing to worship Jesus with our generosity? Are we willing to worship Jesus with our time? Are we willing 
to say this generosity is going to get into every area of my life. It's going to take over everything, and that includes my money, but that's not limited to my money. This Christmas, as you go around and you see how Christmas has taken over everything, and it's everywhere, man, let's decide to have some Christmasosity and allow our generosity to take over everything in our life. Let's just decide it. Let's decide it not in our head, but let's decide it in our heart. And let's choose to have joy in our faith. Yeah, God God will have to come through. He'll have to do some things. But if we're not living by faith, are we really living as Christians? Let's decide now that we are no longer going to hold back areas, whether it's finances or any other area, and walk away from God sorrowful. But let's walk to him in faith, full of joy, an abundance of joy, even if we're in a severe test of affliction and extreme poverty. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.